you to uh, Robert Carrillo. Thank you to, uh, to Jeff. Thank you to Brian and Sue Gawkle. I want to be like Brian Gawkle when I grow up. You know, be able to sing like that and be that tall and grow a beard. And, you know, I mean, just so talented and all of that. But we are one body, you know, in Christ, all working together. And how about a shout out to our Edge Ministry in FLC 100. Sharing the service with us via live stream. What an amazing ministry, and we, uh, it's great to be a part of God's family, whether you're in different parts of this campus, you're uh, watching or listening uh, from home or out of town, or you're just part of our great worldwide brotherhood. Love God, love people, change the world. In our newsletter this morning, we, uh, we sort of made it official. That's what we want our, our mission statement, our, our pithy mission statement, just in a few words, to be able to say, love God, love people, change the world. Loving God and loving people. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from what Jesus called the greatest commandment. Over in Matthew chapter 22, when people ask him, what is the first and greatest commandment, the answer was clear, you know, all the way back. It's been the same for many, many years, Jesus said, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and one of the other gospel writers, you know, adds Jesus' words, with all of our strength as well. That's what it means, faith, hope, and love. These three remain. They're the most important tenets in Christianity. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. Everything else flows from love. Loving God, loving people, and then we're in a position to be able to put in effect the Great Commission to change the world. That's what Jesus said in one of his last recorded words. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Yes, Jesus was Lord, not a legend, not a liar, not a lunatic. He is who he claimed to be, and Christians all over the globe affirm that Jesus is Lord. We preach Jesus as Lord and ourselves servants on his sake. And he gave us a mission. Many people have called it the Great Commission, that we, under that authority, as we go, should make disciples everywhere, of all nations, in neighborhoods, in regions, in counties, in countries, all around the world, and then not just do that, but to mature these disciples, to teach them to obey everything Jesus had commanded, and he would be with us until the end of the age. A great commitment to the great commandment and the Great Commission will inevitably grow a great church. Anywhere, any decade, that's what will happen when we put our hearts and minds in, in, in that. You know, you think about the church. Jesus has a vision for us individually. And again, thank you, Robert, for helping us, illustrating by Matthew himself in the Gospels, that Jesus has a vision for us individually, but we are collectively his body, and he has a great vision for the church. No, it's not just us individually to accomplish this great mission, but us together as his body. There's an element in the church that's very human. As you look around, you see fellow humans, don't you? They're right next to you. Some are, they're different varieties. <laughs> some sing well, some not so well. Some have engaging personalities. Others, not so much, you know. Others, you light up when you see. 
You know, some, not so much. But it's all a part of the body of Christ. It's always been his plan. There is that human element, and there are wonderful things about it, and there are also some irritating things, you know, about it as well, because we're humans. We're fallen humans, even as we're trying to be more like Christ. But there is a divine element to the church that is so important to remember. The church of Christ is his body, and it's his bride, it's important. It's essential. It's such a message for us in, in this world. It's God's idea. It's not ours. And Jesus has a vision for his, uh, each one of our lives, and he also has a vision for his church. This morning, we're considering the future vision for our church. In 2006, the elders and uh, um, the, we had one evangelist at that time, got together, got many in, input from our original 177 members, and we crafted a, a vision going forward of what we wanted our church, our guiding principles to be. We're updating those uh, today. You'll see it in your insert, your handout. You can always go back on the website and see all the detail in 2006. But vision is a very important thing. As we, as we know, vision is the art of seeing what is invisible to many other people. Helen Keller, who was such an inspiring person, said the only thing worse than being blind is having sight and having no vision. And what we see in life does depend what are we looking for? What are we trying to see? What is the vision that we, we are working hard as a church and in our families and in our individual ministries and lives to be able to see God's plan, God's vision for us in this day and age? And that's what we're considering this morning, and we will continue to be considerate. On March 1st, an upcoming midweek, we'll have a congregational meeting. We invite everyone to be back, and we're going to talk about in greater details some of the plans. You get a glimpse of them as you look in the newsletter and go through the insert today, but we'll go into it in greater detail. Yeah, the church, as a matter of fact, we are the light of the world. The church is, in fact, a lighthouse. It is something that, that, that sheds light, it's a warning, it's a sign to help people from get when they're in dangerous waters. Yes, we are all of that and we want to continue to be that in this community and around the world. It's a modern metaphor and there's another one that we use from time to time here as well. And that is there's certain churches and you see them in the Bible, churches like Antioch and Ephesus and certainly North River is hoping to be that kind of same kind of church and they're great examples all around the world in our fellowship of these kind of churches that are like an aircraft carrier. You start off somewhere in your Christian life and you start off somewhere as a church. For many of us, we, the church was sort of a, a lifeboat, right? You know, you got in because you were drowning, you needed to survive and some churches are in that period in their life, they're just trying to hang on and not drown. Ever been there individually? Ever been in a church fellowship like that? Sure, it happens. At some point, though, don't you have to decide what kind of boat you want to be? What kind of, what, what kind of vessel you really want to be as God's collective people with a collective vision? They're different kind of boats. They're rowboats, right? Row, row, row your boat gently onto shore. They're houseboats. They're cruise ships. And a lot of times we'd like the church to be a cruise ship. Have a buffet and everything we want to meet every need and be safely with all of our friends and, 
you know, a few acquaintances. A mature church is more like an aircraft carrier, isn't it? On Friday night, we met with the campus ministry. It's always inspiring to be with them. And uh, that night, they, uh, they announced another plane taking off from the aircraft carrier. You can read about it in, uh, you know, in the newsletter. Brooke and Brody Snell, who moved here just 18 months ago, have uh, came here to train for the ministry for a couple of years and then go back out. Uh, they're uh, leaving in June 1st and going to lead the campus ministry at Ohio State University. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's another in a long tradition. All of our campus ministers up to this point that we've had at North River have gone on to serve in other places, you know, at FSU, in El Salvador, in Columbia, you know, in Auburn, you know, in Nashville. And um, th this, is, this is what we do in many respects. Help young men and women come and to train many times to become Christians here and to be sent out to impact neighborhoods around Atlanta, uh, impacting in our high school and middle school ministry, impacting in EDGE, impacting in church plantings in the southeast and helping strengthen smaller churches, and then to, to, to be impactful around the world. We're also, um, well, it was quite a night on Friday. We also, for the first time, shared with the campus ministry and sharing with you this morning and, uh, you know, in our insert, if you've read it already, and then for all of you, that we're under, uh, discussions are underway presently with the European Mission Society for Tom and Courtney McGurk to move sometime in the next couple of years to Europe to help revitalize the campus ministries all over that continent. Thank you. Thank you for clapping. Kelly and I sigh. <sighs> And then we're also announcing in the newsletter that one of our leading families, we haven't identified them yet, because we don't want you guys to be too shocked, uh, will be, be leaving uh, in the next uh, couple of years to plant a church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Roll Jesus, okay? And um, <laughs> we're, uh, we'll be in the process of assembling uh, that, that, you know, that team. At some point you go, whoa, that's a lot. That's, uh, you know, it's a little bit challenging. And then as the leadership group has gotten together, and we, we, we not only have met many, many times, we've prayed many, many times over the last few months, and that as we've, we've gone back and forth in emails and in person, just trying to get just the right words, honestly, to communicate, at least in a written form, what we have in the newsletter this morning and in the insert and what we'll try to communicate on March 1st and, you know, and beyond. We're doing our best to make sure we understand that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will produce a great giving, receiving, sending church. And to embrace the twofold mission of Jesus, it's very clear in Matthew chapter 25 to take care of the needy, to feed the poor, to take care of those around us, both here and around the region, our neighborhoods, and the globe. And then it's very clear from what we've already seen in Matthew chapter 28 that the vision includes, the imperative includes, the mission includes to be able to make disciples to grow the numbers of disciples so there can be more influence and more light and more leaven and more love and more sending and more giving 
in so many different, different ways. And the, the emails back and forth, the, it was so encouraging. The brothers were saying, we've just got to be able to try to get on the church's heart, all of us, the new people, the new Christians, those that are just coming and kind of checking out the church and also thinking about becoming a part of a member of the body of Christ, that we understand how important everything we do here revolves around the twofold mission of Christ, of Jesus. Everything revolves around that. It answers so many questions like dual services, kind of getting our buildings so we can at least keep people in them and the roof not falling in on them and more places for people to be. And yes, Jeff, to play basketball. That's true. <laughs> in meeting with several of the guys I meet with on a weekly basis, generally in my age group, all they're, they're, they're usually a little younger, can't tell you how many times it's come up I want to be a part of a church on a mission. I want to be part of a family group on a mission. Maybe call them family group, mission groups. And to think through that. And this is the spirit that so many of us have and we need to have. And I just, I mean, Jeff and I, as your co-evangelists and the elders and members of the leadership, you know, team, we want to invite all of you to be on a mission with us. Jesus' twofold mission, and it's going to take more than a month and a year and a decade, but we want to be committed to it. This vision includes serving the poor, discipling and maturing and mentoring one another, equipping the next generations, and absolutely our families. We've got 24 eighth graders coming into high school ministry in just a couple of months. Seven girls and 17 boys. Those young stallions will either change the world or turn our world upside down. That's what's going to happen in our lives. But how about having a great example of Bryce Grubb being baptized into Christ in just a few hours? Amen. Vision for all of our families, as long as it takes, whether it's short or long, God has a vision for all of us, and Bryce, we salute you, okay, on taking that kind of stand, because it's difficult to do in high school, you know you blanch at the thought of even having to do it, some of you, and when you think about what that might have meant when you were younger. It's important that we all draft on each other. We're draft horses pulling together like we talked about before. Cannot do this alone. Got to have the village. Got to have all of us working together. Be able to move this mountain, you know, that's in front of us. We illustrated that, you know, before. And where this is going to happen, it, 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 we're going to end this in just, just a short time. And we're going to say, how do we accomplish all of these things? I mean, even the campus ministry is going, how do we, what do we do without Brooke and Brody and maybe eventually not Tom and Courtney and maybe others that are going, how, how do we do that? By faith. Just like we've always done, walking by faith. How do we raise adult children, even when they're adults? By faith. How do we be able to make the changes in our life and the things that have been so persistent and so hard to change, you know, by, you know, by faith, you know, in every way? Um, just want to, we'll talk about this some more. But we're committed at North River to not stop growing spiritually or numerically. It's difficult, it's challenging. But why? 
must North River never stop growing. One, because God loves people. He's our model. Love God. Love people. He wants every single person to come to a close walk with him, to know him. And do we still have people in the Atlanta area that need Christ and, and, and need to be in his family? That answers, you know, itself, because God loves people, because God actually commissions us and commands us to reach the lost. You know what Jesus said? Go out and, and, and compel them to come in. Come into my banquet. We've already talked about this great you know, commission. That is not old school, or if it is old school, it's way old school, back 2,000 years to Jesus Christ himself. To be concerned about, about this. Now, there are unbiblical reasons not to grow. One is that God isn't interested in numbers. No, 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 time out. Book of Acts is full of examples of number, the number of disciples increasing in specific numbers of people where they noted that it was important to them that the number of disciples kept growing. In case you haven't noticed, God named a book after, after numbers called Numbers. <laughs> in it, he numbered people because every single person is important to God. may not be important to you or me, but they are important to God. They all have a story. They all have needs. And yeah, we're interested in our family groups, in our church, in being able to serve and to help growing numbers of people. There's another unbiblical reason to not want to grow because our church is interested in quality, not quantity. Well, that's true. That's why the second half of the Great Commission, we teach people to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Maturity, growth. Welcome home. This is a great place, North River, to come and struggle and have some hard times, but you need to get stronger. And we're going to work and help each other and be patient with each other to help each other do that. There are goals that you'll see in what we've outlined in our newsletter about being very intentional about our one another relationships this year and beyond. And we, wanna, we are going to put focus on that so that we just don't grow in number and get and dilute our commitment and our relationships, but we can stay strong and mature each other. Another reason why uh, maybe we shouldn't grow is because large churches are impersonal. North River didn't get large because it was impersonal. It's a loving, diverse, wonderful group, you know, you know, of people. And so up to that point, that hasn't been the issue. However, it's why it's absolutely essential as the church is growing larger number, we're growing smaller also. And that's where you'll see a greater and greater emphasis in our church this year on our small groups. Not only on everybody being a part of one, but more and more of us being willing to lead them. There's another Vision Sunday kind of like this that, were, that was taking place probably a few years ago. And, uh, you know, the, the minister was excited. He was talking about growth. And he was talking about vision. And you always have a brother there who's, who's like the amen brother, you know, in the church. You may have heard one or two, you know, today. Because they kind of get into it. And they verbally are able to express that. And so the minister is talking about, we want to have vision. We want this church to fly. We want, it, we want God to do great things with us. And the brother back there is going, amen, amen, amen. I'm excited about it. And then he goes on and he says, and then, but before this church can fly, we got to walk. And the brother goes, amen. Before this church can walk, we got to run, okay? Or before this church can fly, we got to run. Amen. Before this church can, uh, you know, can really fly, we got to give more money. And the brother goes, let it walk. Of 
for the North River Church of Christ to grow and to fly, we need more small group leaders. So you respond how you respond, you know, in your heart. 1.30, we've got Robert Carrillo is doing a wonderful class on Jesus and his small groups. We invite anybody to be able to can and have a vision and a goal to be able to lead a small group and be actively involved in one because the church keeps growing larger, but we stay close by growing smaller. Okay, I just want to, want, to, want to close out with asking you guys to do some Bible study. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and 12, I'm just going to flash some scriptures pretty quickly, but this is where I'm hoping you'll be able to do your Bible study in Hebrews 11 and, you know, in 12. Because the answer is going to be walking by faith and fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's where it's going to be. Okay? And, and so in this great book of Hebrews, it starts out about what faith really is. It's not wishful thinking. It's really conviction. And then he goes through some examples. If you're opening up your Bible in Hebrews 11, or you can look along here. Again, my goal is for us to open it up, spend some time in it this week. Every one of these great men and women of God, it's by faith. By faith, we understand that God created the universe. By faith, Abel. By faith, Abraham. By faith, you know, Sarah. By faith, Noah. All of these men and women responded by faith, by faith, by faith. Not just gut-wrenching, you know, hardline devotion or commitment, but by faith. Moses and his parents and the Passover and the walls of Jericho, all of it is by faith, by faith. That's the only way we can accomplish our vision, whether it's individually or, you know, as, you know, as, as a family. You know, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, had a major impact in, uh, in this world. He had many wonderful things to say. This is one of, of the best things that I recall, where he encouraged all of us, hey, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, but just take the first step. Kelly and I were last weekend in Orange County, California, where one of our dear friends and fellow ministers, you know, uh, died suddenly of a heart attack a few weeks ago. And I saw there the brother who asked me steadfastly for 10 years when I was really going through a hard time um, in my life, Tom, do you believe the best is yet to come? And I'd really messed up spiritually, messed up in my marriage, my family. My faith was, was not strong. I was just basically coming to church. And he would ask me that, and I would say, no, I don't really believe the best is yet to come. I think my best days are behind me as far as spiritually. You know, finally there came the year where he asked me that, and I said, you know, I'm kind of believing that maybe that's, you know, that's possible. Kelly and I are going this coming weekend to, to Virginia. All the Virginia churches are coming together for a marriage retreat. I guess they wanted to highlight the, the kingdom of God's worst marriage that has become one of the better ones. Because that's what we're talking about. And everybody knows when we do a marriage retreat, Kelly and I had a horrible marriage, 90% plus because of me. You know, I messed up terribly. I was already Christian. I was unfaithful. It was horrible. You know, I hurt so many people. We struggled for a long time the better part of a decade, you know, trying to, to get ourselves strong again. But you know, it's possible to have the best yet to come no matter where you are. 
in your marriage, in your faith, in your life, if you're sinning up the joint, you know, if you got a stinky attitude, you know, if you're just stuck in a rut, if your marriage, you just feel like this is not going to make it, the best can be yet to come, not because of us, but because of God and Jesus and the scriptures. And so we're happy to go to that marriage retreat, aptly entitled, The Best is Yet to Come, because it is yet to come for all of us. However, without faith, it's impossible to please God. At some point, we really got to stop, start believing. The worship team's going to come up. We're going to get ready for our closing song. And uh, we'll, um, we'll, we'll end out here all together on, on a very meaningful day. Please take the time to reflect, to think, to pray about the things that God put on your heart today. And uh, and, and, and uh, we'll just close out with a couple questions. You know, how can we really achieve the visions we're putting out? How can we accomplish this prodigious mission out ahead of us? Well, absolutely. It's by faith and fixing our eyes on Jesus. We'll continue the series that we began a few weeks ago on Jesus entitled Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus. Because let's run with, re with perseverance the race that's set out before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, but despising its shame is now seated at the right hand of God. Yeah, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Let's love God, love people, change the world. Amen.